this is the post-war generation taking charge of things. The message is not about, you know, Syria or America or, or Iran or any of that. It's about governance. uncertainty, the economic situation. You know, I talk to family and um, relatives and, you know, they're, they're, they're stacking up on, uh, on bread, on fuel. Uh, they're not sure what's going to happen to their bank accounts. Uh, so in that sense, there's also a lot of anxiety watching uh, uh, these events unfold in Lebanon. We are the post-Civil War generation, but both of us are old enough to remember either the war itself, or for that matter, previous attempts at demonstrating and calls for reform. So do you think that the the moment is special simply because it's been so much time since the Civil War ended, that the, the younger protesters don't have any recollection of not just the war, but previous attempts? Is, is it simply that they're young and they're less cynical than we are? I mean, they're definitely brave. We mm-hmm. were brave too. I believe, but but in a sense, this is not a generation that's examining Ta'if agreement. This is the right. post Ta'if. But you know, a lot, lot of, of our protests were about the Syrian presence, mm-hmm. the Israeli attacks in Lebanon. So in that sense, there was always an outside uh, player. Right. Uh, we also protested for you know civil uh, society, for civil marriage uh, in Lebanon. But this is just much more broader. And uh, it's much more uh, of a unifying moment in Lebanon. I mean, you hear the same uh, slogan in, in Tripoli, uh, repeated in uh, in Hermel, uh, repeated in uh, Riyadh Salah. So, uh, so in that sense, it's uh, it's more consistent. To me, it seems more like a purely domestic reform, uh, unifying demand that these are local demands against local leaders. And it's less to do with external decision-making, but it's more to do with genuine accountability, which we have not seen before. Uh, Mm. Because it is a very special occasion, and you're saying it perfectly. It's not not Tripoli or Nabati or Beirut. It's the whole country, all the way to Hedmet. Is it that right. things really got to the tipping point for everybody in the country that finally people turned the page? I mean, I think it's a couple of things. So on the economic level, there's a lot of frustration that, you know, even when you, you know, you're working eight to five, when you're you're doing the best you can, you can't get a salary good enough to sustain uh, your own family. But then also you have unemployment rates, which are probably, I mean, in 2017, they were uh, 37% among the youth. Mm -hmm. I bet they're much higher now. Uh, So you have a lot of people out of jobs. Uh, You have patronage uh, system that the WASTA and and, and everything that, you know, prioritizes connections over uh, qualifications. And I think for for this generation, for especially the millennials, mm-hmm, I think they're mm-hmm. they're brave enough to say we are sick of it. Uh, you know, for our generation, maybe we were more uh, 
we had more fears. We had more. Uh, we were more chained uh, to a political system uh, because of the security, because of the stability, because the external factors that were tied to it. But but mm. what you see in the streets today, these people are, you know, are just like, no, this is our moment. We're gonna be driving this now, and it's. It didn't start, I don't think it started uh, on October 17. I mean, we've seen it before with the uh, garbage crisis, right. uh, you know. Right. So so it's been building up. So in that sense, it's economic. It's also political. Lost mm-hmm. any confidence in this, uh, you know, political elite. You see it in the, uh, I mean, I know even people who supported Michel Aoun went to the uh, to the protests. Even people who liked uh, Saad al-Hariri uh, just had given up, you know? Right. Uh, so it's, it's uh, in that way, it's overarching uh, movement. It's, uh, it's frustration on, on, on several uh, levels. And it's just, I think the youth mostly saying, you know, we can do this. We we deserve change. We deserve accountability without mm-hmm. being tied up to one leader, to one you know political party. You know, it's interesting. The uh, there was a I'm going to sort of cite a tweet that you posted uh, where it says, and I, I like the I like the chronology of the first four points of the tweet: protests in Iran, protests in Iraq, protests in Lebanon, and protests in Syria. And it seems like all of these protests are really domestic issues, even though the entire region is oftentimes linked up geopolitically, and we can talk about this later. But but these protests are purely local calls for reform. And it almost seems like this is spreading naturally. And people are watching other protesters demanding accountability within their own countries. And suddenly you see it I mean, Iraq is a great example because it has been as as uh, euphoric at times to watch on TV, and sometimes you can't tell whether it's in Iraq or Lebanon. But but that I mean, the accountability aside, do you see? And I, I know you've you've been f- covering the region for a long time, and I wanted to gauge your mind on this on this point. Is there any any geopolitical component to the protests, or or? an attempt at curtailing these protests. So in other words, not necessarily a support of this, but rather a uh, a reluctance and a desire to to end them. I mean, definitely, uh, you you do, when you, you know, step back and you look at the Levant and this, you know, protests Mm -hmm. being interconnected today between uh, Beirut, uh, Baghdad, and now uh, Tehran interconnected in their message, you know, economic frustrations and against the status quo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't but help yourself uh, and wonder, is this a, a pivotal uh, regional uh, moment where the forces uh, of the status quo in these countries uh, are, are uh, facing basically a rebellion? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know where it's going to take it's, and I think that's part of the beauty and challenge in covering this, is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we can't really predict it. Uh, at the same time, I do believe they're interconnected because it is, it's the same, uh, the same generation. It's in, in, yes. in Iraq, it's the post-Saddam uh, Hussein 
uh, generation in right. Iran. It's it's not the the, the post uh, you know Iranian uh, revolution ge- generation. And in Lebanon, I mean, we've uh, we've uh, addressed this. It's the post-war, yeah, even post-Taif uh, mm-hmm. agreement generation. So in that sense, it's definitely a transformational moment. But I, I can't tell you what the day after uh, will be. Now, on the geopolitical level, this is definitely a challenge to Iran, mm-hmm. whether internally or uh, or in Iraq, where it holds massive influence. Uh, I I don't see it as much in Lebanon because I don't whatever government. Uh, we get to whatever breakthrough, if that happens, we get to. I don't see that protests uh, fundamentally against Hezbollah. Right, it's, right. It's more economic, it's more uh, anti-corruption, and it's not about Hezbollah's weaponry, it's not about uh, defining the struggle or uh, the foreign policy of Lebanon. It's much more internal, whereas in Iraq you do hear uh, Iran out out so it's it's different and of course Hezbollah is very different than you know Hashd uh, al-Shaabi and Iranian paramilitary forces sure. in, in Iraq so in the, I mean this is I know these are not immediate uh, comparisons but would you argue perhaps that what we're seeing in Iraq in a way reflects what we went through in 2005 uh, it's even more, more. because 2005 mm. I mean it was uh, unless I'm, my memory is failing me, it was mostly centered in Beirut. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. In Iraq, it's it's the south, it's uh, Baghdad. We right. started seeing some protests uh, in Mosul, and in Iraq, I think it's it's a broader frustration with both Iran as as an external uh, power, but with also you know uh, massive. Uh, numbers, uh, when you talk about corruption, uh, when you talk about, I mean, 22% of uh, uh, Iraqis today are under uh, the poverty line. Uh, 22%? 22%. I mean, this is a staggering number for uh, a country with very high oil uh, reserves. Yes. Uh, we've seen the water crisis in, in Basra last year. So this is just fundamentally against a rotten system in Iraq, backed by Iran. The IRGC leader Qasem Soleimani just comes to Baghdad and chairs uh, political meetings. Mm-hmm. I think Iraqis have historically had high uh, patriotic and nationalistic uh, feelings and and I think this is still on display. Mm -hmm. We see it more now in the post-ISIS, post-American withdrawal to some extent. I know American forces, uh, they still have a presence there, but but, you know, it's as if Iraq is just waking up from from the 2003 invasion and Mm -hmm the status quo that was brought in. So it's, it's in a sense, it's a regional rebellion against the status quo, and each country has its own, its own separate reasons, sometimes lining up, but not necessarily all the time. Exactly, and I don't mm. think we've seen that in the Middle East since the 1930s, you know, against, huh. uh, right. uh, the, <laughs> against the European, British, yes. yeah, against the British and the French mandates, or before that, uh, you know, the first uh, Arab rebellion against the Ottomans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so in that sense, this is regional, and it's 
uh, we'll see where it goes. And it's definitely, uh, the way I see it, holds many similarities, yet many uh, specificities as well per country. And um, it's, it's, yeah, it's historic. You brought up a subject that I wanted to get into, which is America's at least uh, nominal support for some of these protests. And, and at times statements have been issued in support of the average protester and wanting the regimes to to protect these protesters. But I wanted to dig uh, deeper with you and, and ask you, do you think America has any immediate concerns with what's happening in the region? And I mean this in a, not just diplomacy, but security. And perhaps more than that, it's America's diminished role in the Middle East. Is there anything that is happening there on on American action, whether it's economic support, political support? What is America's role at the moment? And what do you think America's role should be? I mean, it depends. I think um, the U.S. policy now, I mean, if we can call it a, a cohesive and a huh. uh, consistent U.S. policy, I don't think we're, uh, that might be an overstatement uh, to see a one U.S. policy and or mm-hmm. a strategy in the region. Mm-hmm. I think they um, they vary. In Iraq, they're more worried because mm-hmm. uh, they have, uh, you know, they've supported uh, this uh, structure that came to power since uh, since the U.S. invasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have troops uh, on the ground, and they do have uh, security and energy and counterterrorism interests. Yes. So I think they're more concern, concerned in Iraq. Uh, and But we see them uh, putting pressure uh, on the government to, uh, to hold uh, early elections and do certain uh, reforms. Mm-hmm. In Iran, uh, you do see a more swift... Um, U.S. response. Uh, we saw. Yes. Uh, I think it was Pom- know, Pompeo yesterday issued a statement. Uh, uh, the White House issued a statement. Yes. Uh, and Pompeo issued a tweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a, you know I always forget that that's how it works today. You're right. Pompeo issued a tweet. Sorry. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> supporting the protesters and condemning the regime. Strong condemnation of the Iranian regime. That you know. Uh, we can definitely say this administration mm-hmm. is not exactly, uh, uh, you know, that they don't uh, uh, hold strong admiration, I think, for, for the regime in, uh, in Iran. So they were quick to, to issue that. Yes. Uh, in Lebanon, I think there are uh, concerns, U.S. concerns uh, over uh, an economic uh, collapse or chaos so, in, and, and, in the country, but there's mm-hmm. also big support for the protest uh, movement. We see it in, in, in talks with, you know, U.S. officials. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They see this as a different moment, as a unique moment where maybe they could help bring together a government that's, you know, not as corrupt and not as beholden to corrupt political Elite. We've seen, I mean, I take it as a sort of mixed messaging where sometimes the U.S. government appears to be punishing the Lebanese army, at other times supporting. Uh, we've seen pressure against local banks and at other times clarification of how far they're willing to go when it comes to sanctions. Do you, do you think America has a strategy when it comes to Lebanon or is it really just a 
you know, seeing how things develop and taking it step by step. Because it's, you said it earlier, there's no cohesive strategy per se, or at least doesn't appear to be. But is there any larger view on the Lebanese issue? Or is it really just a, you know, play it day by day and see what happens? Uh, no, I mean, when you speak about the U.S. government, it's which U.S. government mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're talking about. Are we talking about the White House? Are we talking about the Pentagon? Or are mm. we talking about the State Department? Right. So you have different circles of influence that are dictating policy in the administration. And we yes. see this, you know, overlapping when it comes to, for example, Turkey, when it comes to Syria. Uh-huh. We saw it with the aid to the Lebanon army where the state department and the pentagon wanted to make sure the aid goes through and then the white house uh put a hold uh, on it but Mm -hmm. now they're saying uh, after you know the media uh noise that they're gonna actually be uh reversing that and that the money will uh, will come to, to LAF. Right. Uh, the problem you see here is different priorities for these circles. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the White House is more uh, concerned about Hezbollah, uh, Hezbollah's influence, uh, Israeli interest in Lebanon, whereas, you know, you see the Pentagon more concerned about U.S. Uh, Lebanon security and intelligence cooperation, and the State Department is more concerned about stability. Uh, in, in, in Lebanon. So this is the debate that sometimes when you see it uh, not uh, culminating in a policy, uh, in one policy decision, you get policies and uh, actions that contradict each other from uh, the administration. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, for now, I think the, the Lebanese army dodged a bullet. You know, they will get the aid, uh, we are told, but... Uh, you know, this is the Trump administration, and it's it's also uh, unpredictable. It governs with a lot of uncertainty, and we don't know what's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what's the next quarter or the next uh, uh, budget will hold. Now, speaking of uh, you know, sort of chaotic governance, or for that matter, difficult to read which center is governing what exactly. I'd like to maybe get your view on on Lebanon itself. And in the last few weeks have been hysterical at times, not, not just because of the, the I mean, we've seen it on social media and we've heard chants against certain officials. And a lot of it is uh, is melodic swearing at times. And you have a lot of comedic components to this revolt. But I think the comedy is twofold because the current governing crop seems really caught blindsided and unable to move forward. And I just wanted your opinion on, on what, what do you think is happening behind the scenes right now? We, we know that Safadi's name was floated. It's now been shelved. Uh, we know that there's a caretaker government, but there's nothing happening in the immediate future. Uh, we know that sometimes protests reach Baabda and then they sort of fizzle out. But in, in your sort of, in your mind, at least behind the scenes, what do you think is a way, either a way out for this caretaker government or what do you think their response is going to be because it's it's we're now in the second month of this uprising and it seems like each day counts more and more given that the economy is is really collapsing uh, no i agree ronnie and I, I do think you know the the cynicism 
and the high sense of humor of, of the Lebanese is, is clearly showing in the protest. I mm -hmm. saw yesterday the video of, um, uh, you know, the, the security uh, spraying water. Yes. <laughs> uh, one of the protesters who had his shampoo or uh -huh. whatever soap with him. So this is just light, heartening. Uh, moments you keep seeing in, in these sure. protests and yeah. it, it's it's also part of this uh, engaging and civil movement uh, we're seeing now are we gonna see a breakthrough anytime soon it's unclear I mean on the one hand it's not surprising that Safadi had uh, to withdraw his nomin nomination he's not exactly somebody who you know holds a lot of uh, power or holds a yeah. lot of uh, admiration in, in the street mm -hmm. and the nomination immediately backfired with yeah. all the stuff we heard about Zaytuna Bay, you know, and protests next to his uh, residence. Right. Uh, on the other hand, it seems nobody wants a collapse mm -hmm. at the mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. I don't think neither the street nor the political elite nor uh, the outside actors want Lebanon to get to a collapse uh, so it's a matter of you need a government that could respond to uh, the aspirations of those people in the streets mm -hmm. uh, and you need reforms in place to unlock the uh, sad uh, loans, the sure. sad grants. So this is, I think, the formula that's being uh, worked out right now, whether it's uh, Saad al-Hariri gets renominated or uh, somebody else just from outside of the political picture. Uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to, pre to predict, but maybe it seems that Saad al-Hariri is leaving his options open mm -hmm. and he could uh, he, he would uh, accept a renomination if, if it's done under the uh, right circumstances and if he can bring together a government that's acceptable by the street and that could uh, at least, you know, prevent a collapse uh, in the next quarter. You know, it seems like there's a duality at play that the governing class appears at times to simply be at least trying to wait something out hoping that this fizzles out. And each time they wait, maybe longer than they should, protesters go back to the street. And it's, um, I mean, do you, do you worry at all that time is a factor here? That they may end up, not, not winning, but may end up surviving, given that the, the patience of the average protester will eventually be exhausted. Do you think that that's part of their strategy, that they're waiting, trying to wait it out? I mean, that's the, you know, old playbook of every uh, government. Just mm -hmm. play the play the element of time, yeah. wait it out. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, I think the ticking bomb is the economy. And mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. if you ignore the protesters, even let's say everybody goes home tomorrow, well, what are you going to do uh, right. about, uh, you know, Lebanese uh, failing uh, currency? What are you going to do about lack of investments? Mm -hmm. What are you going to do about unprecedented uh, unemployment numbers uh, after the war? So, uh, so in that sense, I don't think even the current status quo without the protests can hold for the government. 
we're not they, they keep talking about the oil and gas and drilling and 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 all of that but we don't even have an agreement uh to get this going so right. lebanon is in a very very difficult uh, economic uh spot and uh i do think coupled with the protests uh i don't i i can't even envision how the political elite wants to wait uh this one out mm-hmm. because we would be heading to a collapse and then the conversation would become about the day after and unlike previous uh, times where we would just say oh we're gonna go to collapse but not to worry the arab governments will will uh will you know put rescue in some yeah. investment yeah we'll rescue it doesn't seem to be the case this time so you know we are in a critical week i mean it seems like there's a s- sincere reluctance from regional uh bankers, if you want to call them that, regional Gulf countries to help band-aid up the economy, that they're really not interested? I mean, I think uh, certain reforms have uh, have to be in place before any, any outside investor, any mm-hmm. outside country uh, brings in the aid. The Americans keep talking about a more transparent economic process in Lebanon. They talk about, uh, you know, mechanisms, whether at the airport or the ports, uh, to prevent smuggling, to prevent, you know, cash, uh, money laundering. So these, and I think these are the things that were mentioned by Hariri before he he resigned. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think at the very minimum, at the basic level, uh, whoever is the next prime minister has to uh, incorporate these reforms if if we if we are to receive any of the loans or yeah. any of the grants uh, uh, to uh, to put the collapse now on hold for for, right. for the next time. Yeah. And Joyce, just to wrap it up, I wanted to get your opinion from from abroad as a as a as a woman as someone who's made it on her own and succeeded in the states, and you're now. I mean, you're you're a well-established analyst on the region. You watching the protests in Lebanon, and I wanted to see whether or not you think this is a breakthrough moment for women in this country. And I ask not in a uh, superficial way, I ask it in a, in a structural way. We've been seeing it on the streets here, and it's, of course, not just media, it's, it's, it's literally on the street that women are front and center when it comes to this revolution. Do you feel that sentiment while looking at the demonstrations? I mean, I feel a sentiment um, all over, I think, even before. You know, I mean, uh, we're both probably grew up with strong women in, in our families. Mm. It's uh, The Lebanese women are, have always been outspoken, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. you know, and a powerhouse for, for, for the Lebanese society, for uh, the Lebanese system, uh, system outside politics, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, whether in Lebanon or abroad, uh, seeing them in the, in the front lines now is, is uh, uh, inspiring, it's, uh, but it's not surprising mm-hmm. uh, as well. Now, will we see the reforms that the women are calling for, including, you know, being able as a woman uh, myself one day to give citizenship for my uh, my child? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Will, will this movement, you know, also help put an end uh, to uh, marital lay, uh, rape, 
to uh, domestic abuse, to sexual uh, harassment, anti-sexual harassment laws to be seen. But these are fundamental changes that you need to, to, to improve the status of women. You do need more women representation in, in government, mm-hmm. in, uh, in parliament. And uh, uh, it's, it's a big moment for, uh, for men and women and, and these protests. But there are definitely uh, benchmarks uh, that need to be met. Uh, when we, you know, when we speak about improving uh, the status of women in in Lebanon. And, and Joyce, just to add, did you did you come to Lebanon while the protests were happening, or have you been away the whole time? Yeah, no, I've actually uh, I arrived on um, uh, on the day on I arrived on October um, 18. Oh wow! To Lebanon. Wow, you yeah, flew in. So. The, wow. <laughs> I flew in the, the day, I mean, it wasn't planned, of course, let's, uh, leaving conspiracy theories aside, but it was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, electric, it was crazy. It took us seven hours from the airport to Kura in, in North Lebanon, and from there, it also was something I haven't seen and happen mm. in, in the North, where even the small towns you know, had yeah. protests, where even you see your neighbors going to uh, to protests. But that, again, you know, comes to show the uh, the broad uh, appeal of, of this movement and the unique moment uh, we were in. And, and I hope uh, it, it really uh, lets us in a uh, more accountable and better uh, future. I hope so too, Joyce. And just out of curiosity, how long did you manage to stay in Lebanon? Um, eight days. Oh, good. So you did witness the initial <laughs> upswell. You were there for the for the first week of euphoria. Yeah, big time, big time. Great. So, and uh, I hope to be back soon. We'll see. Well, I hope to see you next time you're in Lebanon, and I really appreciate your time in, in explaining all these regional calls for change, and and in Lebanon in particular. So, thank you, Joyce. Thanks so much, Ronnie. Good luck.